And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a live edition of the Metrospective. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line by one of the Athletics Mets beat writers, Tim Britton. And Tim, uh, we are recording for those listening live on tape. We are recording this on Friday. Uh, we are awaiting some people to come and get in the queue to ask us some questions. But the big news, obviously, is that tonight the Mets will kick off their three-game up to best-of-three series against the San Diego Padres. Yeah, you know, usually like our our show is always like a half hour long, and I feel like it's one of those, you know, like every time, sometimes on MWFAN, like they've got a Yankees game, it's at 6.25, and the, the, the drive time show ends at 6, and you've got like 15 minutes to fill, and right. they have, like, that's someone's job. Uh, our show can feel like that, uh, and especially on a daily, like, you know, I want to banter with you, I want to uh, talk about uh, different things, but I feel like we should probably just get right into it, because it's, it's, uh, it's playoff day, it's game one. It is, and and uh, the first Padres, or not not the first appearance for the Padres in a while. It's been a long time, as you pointed out, since the Padres have advanced in the postseason. But the Mets face a tough series of San Diego pitchers. Yeah, so it's it's you Darvish, Blake Snell, and Joe Musgrove. Uh, you know, Darvish uh, has has bedeviled the Mets uh, for a long time, and in particular this year, 14 innings, one earned run. Uh, Snell, uh, a guy who was, you know, on the fringes of their rotation, not not necessarily a set guy in their rotation at the trade deadline, has been outstanding the final two months of the season. We know about the Mets' problems against left-handed pitching, uh, so uh, that's a that's a worrisome matchup. And then Musgrove was, you know, as good as anyone in the National League the first couple months of the year. Uh, hasn't been quite that good of late, but has been uh, really solid throughout the course of the entire season. Uh, so, you know, there's no. You know, we look at, at different playoff matchups in the National League. Like, it, this isn't Jose Quintana in Game 1 the way that the Phillies have in St. Louis. Uh, this isn't, you know, Ranger Suarez in Game 3 the way Philadelphia is going to throw at the Cardinals. Uh, so this is this is three really solid pitchers uh, from the start. And, and, you know, the Mets can match that, obviously. Uh, so that I, I would expect three tight, low-scoring games. We might even see, like, an actual legitimate extra inning. Uh, yeah, I mean, that might be exciting. We had a discussion on our last show about how the Mets should play their pitching lineup for this series, and it sounds like maybe Buck Showalter was listening to me. Yeah, so it, it, they're going with the Berg plan. That was exactly is, what I li- laid out. Yeah, which is, you know, Max Scherzer in Game 1 on Friday night, and then depending on the outcome of Game 1, that, that will determine who starts Game 2. If the Mets win on Friday night, it's Chris Bassett in Game 2 and Jacob deGrom waiting in the wings for a Game 3 or Game 1 of the National League Division Series in Los Angeles. Uh, if the Mets lose, uh, then it'll be Jacob deGrom in Game 2 against Snell uh, and Bassett in Game 3. Uh, you know, my concern with, with this idea was, you know, how how flexible would, would those pitchers be? Uh, Showalter uh, on 
Thursday did not express any that that same reservation. He said, "Look, these guys get rained out and they pitch the next day. It's really no problem, uh, so they can handle it." Uh, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. My, my colleague Ken Rosenthal at the Athletic uh, does not like the idea. He finds it a bit too clever and too cute. I'm kind of in between. Like I, I didn't like when the Mets reshuffled their rotation ahead of the Atlanta series. I didn't, you know, th- that that was set up to be Bassett, Degrom, Scherzer. I would have just kept it that way. I wouldn't have moved to Grom. Right, it doesn't matter. The order of the game, the order of the games doesn't matter at all there. Right, in in that instance, and I thought, you know, it, it kind of, it, it put too much pressure on those early games, uh, and and you know that's it's easier now to say that in retrospect. In in this instance, you know, you're trying to set up for the long haul. I think the the problem you have with with this plan, uh, and and it's one that Ken points out is. Okay, you're you're playing the long game, right? You're not focused just on the San Diego series. You're focused on on winning the next series against LA, in which case you'd need, you know, your your shot your chances of winning are much better if you've got DeGrom in twice DeGrom and Scherzer for three of those five games rather than two of those five games. The problem is you play that out to the NLCS, you're losing one of those guys. You're losing DeGrom right. for a start in the NLCS then. Uh, and that's you know, that's another series you have to win to win the World Series. So it's you know, it's it is it is cl- Trying to be clever, it is perhaps overthinking it. Uh, you know, as as kind of I don't know. Before, I, mean, I, I came up with that solution in like on the spot, right? Like it's not there wasn't that much thinking involved on on my part at least. No, no, give yourself credit here. This is this <laughs> this is the cleverest thing that anyone has ever thought of. Um, and you know, I, I'm actually, I am actually surprised that that we haven't seen other teams embracing that idea. Uh, I guess you know, in part, other teams don't have that, you know, that that twin ace component that the Mets have with Grom right. and Scherzer quite the same way. You know, it's like the Padres. The difference between Snell and Musgrove is not that significant. Uh, and I'm not sure. Trying to think through, uh, you know, I guess I guess Philadelphia would be in kind of the same vein uh, if they wanted to split Nola and Wheeler, uh, but uh, I don't think they're doing that. <clears throat> so it's you know, it, it's certainly. It opens the Mets up to criticism. Um, you know, you don't want them to not do something simply because it opens them up for criticism. Uh, and so uh, it, it's nice to see that they at least have the, the courage of their conviction there. While I'm in favor of this move, if they lose two in a row and DeGrom does not pitch well in game two, then I'm absolutely going to say that it's on Buck Showalter for not giving Jacob DeGrom <laughs> the right amount of time to prepare. Yeah, that, I mean, that is the classic... Uh... New York sports writer pose, isn't it? That you've got both columns written and it's blasting yeah. them either way. That's what I do. Um, it, it, funny we should talk about uh, Showalter and uh, postseason pitching decisions because I thought his answer about the Zach Britton decision was an interesting one in the media session yesterday. So that, that was actually uh, just one-on-one with me uh, earlier this oh, week. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, in a Tim Britton exclusive, shows you where I get my Mets news, huh? <laughs> right. Uh, so I, I, I asked him, you know, that that was his last postseason game was the 2006 wild card game in which he did not pitch Zach Britton, and the, the Orioles lost in 11 innings to the Blue Jays in Toronto. Uh, and <clears throat> you know, his answer, I, I think it's been consistent over time, is that just kind of there's, you know, there's information that you have as a manager uh, that uh, you know you can't tell the full story at different times. You've got to wear it, um, and you know, and said basically like at, at some point he'll tell the full story you know and he'll, he'll write it in the book essentially um you know it's 
it's not like Zach Britton was hurt. Uh, we don't need to relitigate this decision. Uh, I actually talked to Zach as well uh, earlier this week, uh, and he was like, you know, I, I don't bear any animosity towards towards Buck. I really like Buck. He really enjoyed playing for him. Uh, still roots for him. Still keeps in touch with him uh, across town, uh, and is hoping for a <coughs> a Mets Yankees Subway Series uh, this year, so he gets to to see Buck. Uh, and but you know, it's it's I'm- definitely. You know, for so many people, that is what they think. You know, this guy is known as a a, a very good in-game tactician, uh, a manager who who knows what's going on all the time. That that one decision was uh, kind of mind-boggling in 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 the moment, uh, even more so because of who made it. Uh, and you know, we'll see. Uh, certainly, he's been different in how he's deployed Edwin Diaz over the course of the regular season. You would assume that that would continue into the postseason, uh, using him for more than three outs, using him in more than just save situations, in particular on the road, if the Mets should get there to road games in the postseason. So uh, I don't think I, I don't think your concern with Buck Showalter is that uh, he's not going to use the closer properly in this right. postseason. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess my take or something I always keep and try to keep in mind when you're second-guessing a single bullpen decision is that in, like, 2007... I tore, ran, I ripped into Willie Randolph for something because I didn't have all the information, and the pitcher I thought he should have been going to had like something going on at home and didn't, you know, like wasn't available. And, and I don't know that anything was going on with Britain or what Showalter knew, but like to me, his answer sort of implied like, guess what? Like, uh, there's a lot more that you, yeah, you, there's just I'm making decisions with information you don't have. We got yeah, some questions. You, in, go on. You have to, you have to know as like a reporter that you know you are often, especially in game. Uh, operating with an imperfect amount of information. Uh, right. You know, there are times where a uh, manager, you know, a, a, a pitcher who you think is available isn't. Uh, for instance, you know, if if Britain had not been warming up in that game, it would have been a little bit different. Right. Uh, you know, that, that someone is hurt or not. Uh, someone doesn't pitch well in given circumstances or has said, you know, I, I, I can only give you this amount today. Um, you know, you have to be uh, be alert to your own in- intellectual limitations in terms of what data and what information you have in front of you when you're making uh, those criticisms. And even if, I mean, even if Britain was warming up, right, there's there's some chance, and we again, we don't know, but there's some chance the bullpen catcher is like, uh, no, 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 not tonight, you know? <laughs> I, I don't think the bullpen catcher was making this ah, decision. it's the bullpen catcher's fault. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. 
Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Uh, it's not Buck Showalter. Let's go to Jamie Z, who is in the queue. Jamie, what's going on? Uh, hi, Ted. Hi, Tim. Thanks for the chance of talking to you. Oh, hi, Jamie. Uh, well, I had this question for you. Uh, yesterday, yesterday, I was reading an article by Jim Bowden where he picked uh, one player from, from every team that he uh, labeled as an unlikely October hero. Like, for example, uh, Cody Ross was for the Giants or last year with Eddie, Eddie Rosario or uh, Jorge Soler. So I was wondering which player for the Mets would you choose? Uh, Jim chose uh, Francisco Alvarez in his piece. Which one would you choose? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. That, that was another story at the Athletic that, that Jim wrote, and he said Alvarez. I think that's a good choice, uh, you know, because especially in this series against San Diego, because Alvarez figures to start Game Two against Snell as your right-handed DH, and then the number of left-handers that uh, San Diego has in their bullpen. Uh, I think they're carrying four lefties. Uh, that that's in, in addition to Josh Hader, it, it's Tim Hill, it's uh, Sean Manaya, who's a starter, and Adrian Morejon. Uh, so you know, my assumption is that. If the starter is not in the game and Daniel Vogelback is coming up in the sixth inning, that uh, a lefty is coming in to face him, uh, and you're going to see Alvarez in that spot. Um, so uh, I think he's going to he's likely in my mind to appear in all three games, uh, even if he just starts the one. Uh, and then you know you can also use him as a pinch hitter for Tomas Nito or James McCann uh, if you wanted to go that route. Uh, if, if you, you know because Jim gave you that, I'm, I'm not going to just stick with his pick. I think the other guy who sticks out to me is Seth Lugo. Uh, I don't know if he, you know, I'm not sure he counts as like a breakout star, but, you know, the Mets, I, th I think their plan A in this series is starter to Adovino to Diaz. Uh, and, you know, when you've got Scherzer to Grom and Bassett, it's, it's plausible to do that in, in two wins. But if, you know, if it doesn't go according to the ideal plan, which is often in the postseason, that Seth Lugo is the kind of guy who we've seen him in the past can get you six big outs, can get you even more than that if you need to stretch him in a postseason situation. Uh, so a, a, a guy who's been good against lefties uh, all season long doesn't have the, the best career numbers against uh, Juan Soto, but still might be the choice to face him. Uh, so uh, I think Lugo could be a, bit, a big piece of this. Uh, can I give a choice for, I don't know if it's, it's certainly not breakout star, but like, like, you know, the, the, what we were saying, like Eddie Rosario is stepping up, the, the guy you don't expect stepping up. I feel like Mark Canna, this is pure gut, I feel like Mark Canna is going to have a big series. I feel like he's been an unsung hero all season long. Yeah, and a, a guy who's got some postseason experience, uh, hasn't had the best postseason experience because it's been a lot of wild card one game playoffs uh, with Oakland. So I talked to him the other day, and he meant, you know, the one series that his, his A's won was in 2020, it was a three gamer against the White Sox, where I believe they lost game one. So they bounced back in one games two and three. Uh, and he said it just felt so much more comfortable being in a three-game series rather than a one-game series. So while it, you know, this seems more pressurized for a lot of players because oh man, short series, like two games, you could be done. Canada's like, oh man, we've got a full extra game to work with. This is yeah. this is great. I love this. Uh, we got some questions in the chat, all from people named Daniel. Um, or starting Sam. with Daniel Daniel A, who has a good one because it's a, it's topical. Uh, he says Marte makes the roster. Do you think he starts tonight? Now you got to fill me in because I have not yet seen the roster. Yeah. So okay, the the roster Starling Marte on the roster. That's a bit of a surprise. Francisco Alvarez obviously on the roster. We just talked about him. Uh, Darren Ruff on the roster. Uh, I think the surprising exclusion is Tyler Naquin. Uh, huh. who you know has struggled of late, but I think we figured would be on the roster and an option to start in either of the games against right-handers uh, if Marte were unavailable. Uh, and then for the, the pitching side of things, the Mets have chosen not to take a traditional long reliever in 
They haven't taken Taiwan Walker or Carlos Carrasco or Trevor Williams. They did take both lefties, Joely Rodriguez and David Peterson, as well as Tyler McGill, despite McGill not pitching particularly well down the stretch. Uh, I think with Marte, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to start tonight. You know, I I did not expect him to be on the roster. The way they've, they've spoken about his injury uh, has not suggested optimism really at any point along along the last couple of weeks. Uh, so uh, if he's in the lineup, that's a really good sign. It also, you know, I also is don't know it, how is, I mean, I'm sorry. On. Is it because what is it like? Or, or is it a sign that they're they're trying to push him to play when he's not ready? I mean that that is that is possible. You know, it's they, they've liked that in the past. Showalter has mentioned this. I should probably look it up because uh, it sounds anecdotal. That when he has returned from injuries in the past, he has not had like you know that timing lag that a lot of guys have. But it's oh, right. you know he's he's back. He's playing, but it's going to take him a week to find himself. The Mets don't have that luxury in this instance, uh, and you certainly don't want you know Starling Marte in the lineup hitting second for three games here and him to go 0 for 12 because he's just not you know he hasn't seen live pitching in a month. Um, right. But he hasn't seen live pitching in a month, uh, so we'll see what he can do. Uh, and I, based off the structure of the roster, based off the fact that uh, Naquin is not there, based off the fact that they have Terrence Gore on the roster, I, I would expect Marte to be more than a bench piece for these three games. Um, you know, the the struggles of some of the, those other guys make it possible that that's what he's here for, and that you know it's Guillaume at second base, it's McNeil in right field, uh, and maybe Marte gets the start against the lefty, but might. I would say if, if you're if you're gun to my head, I would say Marte's in the starting lineup for game one. You would think they would want to make sure he can really grip a bat before they used a one of their finite roster spots on him. You would think, although you know, I I heard a story the other day that was like projecting out the roster uh, and you know, 26 guys on the roster, and based off the comments from uh, everyone upset at who I was including on that roster, most fans wanted like. At most, 21 or 22 guys on it. Right. Uh, well, I'm interested about uh, McGill landing on the roster, uh, both because he's been bad out of the bullpen, to put it bluntly, uh, and because I thought he had, I thought he was on the on the IL. Well, he was on the COVID IL, which means that he, right. you know, as long as he so clears protocol, he can come off at any point. And so, so maybe like asymptomatic tests or something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that, obviously they're, he, he's cleared protocol to be available. Uh, I, I was surprised to, you know, part of this is the way the Mets played it earlier this week in that, you know, you had the rain out on Monday, which meant that both Carrasco and Walker pitched on Tuesday. Uh, they both pitched, at, you know, at least four innings. And then Trevor Williams, they, they opted to have him pitch six innings on Wednesday. So if you wanted to carry one of those three guys, uh, he wasn't going to be available today. You know, right. you weren't going to pitch uh, Walker or Carrasco on two days rest uh, in, in long relief on, on Friday. You might not even want to pitch them on three days rest on Saturday, which really limits kind of their usefulness to you. Uh, and so I, you know, I think that plays into it. They could have played it differently earlier in the week. You know, they could have opted not to have Trevor Williams throw six innings and he could have been the long reliever. Uh, but said so they they had him throw. They've got McGill uh, ready to go. I guess uh, you know I I think the the goal is probably not to have to pitch him in this series. But uh, it's it is interesting. You know, going back to conversations with Jeremy Hefner uh, over the course of the summer when they were thinking about Tyler McGill as a reliever, uh, he just loved the way his stuff could play theoretically uh, and what he could do as as maybe a strikeout pitcher, which you look for uh, especially in in relief in the postseason. Uh, and maybe he can provide that for them uh, in practice more so than just in theory. Yeah, you know, like I was going to say, like it does feel like for as bad as the results have been 
like McGill, it's it's just like waiting for something to click for him to be an effective reliever. It's a big gamble if you're if you're hoping it's going to click in a postseason series. But I think back to like the Cardinals and and how often they used to have, uh, especially like Triple A starters come work out of their bullpen late in the season and the postseason. Now they typically gave them some like you know regular season auditions longer than McGill's. But when you go back to, like, I, I think they used Lance Lynn in that role. Obviously, Adam Wainwright was a reliever for a full year. Mets fans know all about that in the postseason. Uh, and they had, you know, the, like, Mitchell Boggses of the world that were, like, starters coming up and then would be uh, effect. Marco Gonzalez they used one year. Like, very young star, very young, inexperienced pitchers that they would go to in big spots in the postseason because they had the right stuff. I just want you to keep naming players that I forgot were on the Cardinals. Oh yeah, I I I'm thinking I think these guys are all from probably 2013 <laughs> when or, or one of those Cardinals like deep postseason runs that year. I think I was just on them for a while. Let's go back to the queue. Uh, Gotham P is on the line. Uh, or now he's. Me? Hello. Hi, hey Ted, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Great. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, so two quick things. Uh, first, not to beat the pitching gambit horse to death, but one thing that I've been thinking about where the, the, the logic of the too cute by half crowd breaks down for me is if you trust Bassett in a winner-take-all game three, wouldn't you trust him just as much in a non-elimination game two? Because, the, you know, if you... If you sort of play the whole thing out, uh, yeah. what you're sort of saying is that you trust Bassett in a game three more than you do DeGrom. And that just doesn't track for me. Huh. Uh, the, the other thing is on the McGill thing, just this quick side point, I do wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that the Padres are particularly vulnerable to right-handed velocity. Uh, and McGill hasn't been throwing quite as hard as he was. Uh, at the beginning of the year, but you know he can, you know he can. He's getting up to ninety six, ninety seven, and you know I mean Carrasco did pitch well against them twice during the regular season, but he, as you guys just noted, both he and Walker just pitched. They're going to need them in the next round to stay advance. So I, I can see the logic behind it. Curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point about about San Diego uh, and their susceptibility to, to velocity. I, I think one of the the questions I asked Buck Showalter the other day was kind of when you're making these postseason roster decisions, how much do you factor in like the specific matchup possibilities versus how a guy's playing? Uh, and I, I was thinking about that in terms of Ruff because Ruff is three for seven against Blake Snell with a home run. He's one for two against Josh Hader with a home run. Guys that he was you know if he's on the roster, he's there to face those specific pitchers. And, you know, Buck said it's a, a factor uh, that there have been times in his career where, like, you know, guy's in a deep slump, but he's there's a pitcher that he, he sees well or a ballpark that he, he hits well in, and, you know, that's a way to get him going. But that also, you know, you might – someone might give you the stats and say, this guy's a great play tonight, and you say, he's not that guy right now. He's not the guy who, who has hit those home runs in the past uh, because of the slump that he's in. Uh, I took that to, to, to mean that, that Ruff was probably not going to be on the roster, and yet here he is. Um, so, uh, you know, McGill fits that same kind of role. Again, like it's a theory versus practice thing with him. Uh, about the, the pitching gambit, you know, I, I think you, you trust DeGrom and, and Bassett. You probably trust DeGrom a little bit more uh, because he's Jacob DeGrom. He's been the best pitcher in baseball for five years. I, I don't think it's a sign of, of distrust in Bassett to, 
to say that they should just start Degrom in Game Two, but you know it's that is the pecking order. Uh, and if you know if you were able to sweep the Padres in two games with Scherzer and Degrom, then you have Bassett set up to be uh, your games one and five starter against LA, uh, which is not a, a terrible outcome. You probably prefer Bassett over Taiwan Walker in that spot um, if it comes to that. And and just a, a small point, like. I guess because of the struggles against lefties, uh, game two is is probably a harder game to win um, because Snell is going to start it. Uh, then game three would be against Musgrove. You can make that case again theoretically, um, and you can you can take that one of two ways. You can say, well, it's a harder game to win. Why don't we throw Bassett, see what we can do, uh, and then we come back with Degrom over Musgrove. We really like that matchup. Or you say, you know, it's a harder game to win. Let's throw our better pitcher in Degrom and see if we can get it done. Um, it's a thing you can think about. Like you yeah. can, you can. It's definitely. I don't think I overthought it. Uh, no one accuses me of that. But it's definitely something that can be overthought. Um, let's go to one quick one from the chat. Eli wants to know the Mets playoff slogan is "These Mets." Rate that from one to ten. Oh, it's like a three. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> um, it's it it's, it leads itself to uh, too much uh, too much. Um, you can you can add certain things to it if you want to, uh, you know, and it it's trying to create a clearly a separation from the prior identity, uh, but I I don't like it. Do we have you, Ted, or did you drop your phone again? Uh, no, I didn't drop my phone. I just I stood up. Um, but I am back now. Uh, should we take one more from the chat? This is from Martin K. A little bit conspiratorial. He wants to know, is it possible for Marte to have faced live pitching without the media finding out? Is that something that they would have to report, or could they keep it hushed up until today when they had to post a roster? I don't know what the benefit of that would be. Well, you, you know, don't let like, the Padres know. Yeah, yeah, the Padres know who Starling Marte is. It's not like they're – this isn't football where you change your entire game plan. Like, you Darvish hasn't been practicing all week uh, and pitching to a lineup that doesn't – you know, pitching to a scout team lineup that doesn't have a guy who replicates Starling Marte. In it they're gaming. They're Right now, play. they're gaming for Darren Ruff in right field. They're all <laughs> practicing their, their right field hitting. And so it, then they're going to put Starling Marte in there. He's got great range. Egg on your face, Padres. There's just – you know, I, I look. Baseball does not have the same kind of conspiratorial uh, gamesmanship element to it that football does, uh, and it's one of the things I like about baseball. We, we, we don't have all of that eyewash. Um, I, I don't. You know, Marte. Look, he, we we watched him take uh, fielding practice in right field. He didn't throw. Um, uh, they they have a curtain up on their their batting practice tunnel uh, this year for some reason to prevent us from from seeing what's going on in there. Uh, so you know, it's I bet it's that's, possible. I, I just more... don't see what the benefit would be. I would have to guess that that's more about tech than anything else, right? Uh, probably, yeah. They just don't, you know. Right, the, like they they got something they, they, they don't, don't want, want. They don't want the media to see anything, <laughs> anything that that's possibly construed as an advantage. Uh, fair enough, uh, Tim. We will be back on early next week when we will either recap the Mets 2022 season uh, or preview their upcoming NLDS series. Yeah, that it'll, uh, you know, it's it's amazing when you get to this point in the season. Like, I was thinking on Wednesday, uh, you know, it's the first time I'm covering the postseason in five years, first time on the Mets beat that I'm covering the postseason. And, like, you know, you get to the last day of the regular season, and you're, you know, in a, a season where you're not making the playoffs, like, you're spent, you're ready for that season to be over as a reporter, and you're sitting there. And I remember thinking, you know, in recent years, the last day of the season, like, 
man, some other teams keep playing, you know? Like, right. they, they go for another month. Uh, and then on, on Wednesday when we're sitting there for Show Walter's pregame press conference, uh, I had the opposite. I'm like, man, there are 18 teams that, like, this is it. Right. You know, the, the, they're covering they're, they're covering managerial hirings and coaching staff stuff starting tomorrow. Uh, so it's it's fun to be doing this again. Uh, but, you know, I remember John Farrell with the Red Sox saying, when you make the playoffs, your season ends with a brick wall, unless you win it all, basically. That it, you know, you go into it thinking you've got a month more of baseball and it could be over in a weekend. Well, hopefully, uh, and, uh, at the, the very Mets least, that right yeah. now. Right, I'm I'm hoping that at the very least we don't have a brick wall to discuss on Monday or Tuesday. Right, we'll we'll see. It, it should be uh, a really exciting weekend. I think you know the, the disappointment from last weekend has kind of sifted away over the course of the last couple of days as as uh, yeah. for an honest to goodness playoff series is here. Right, like you pointed out, beating up on the Nationals was a good salve, I think, for the. Uh, the the morale, if not of the Mets in, inside the clubhouse, and certainly of the uh, the rhetoric around the team. Yeah, it's always good to beat up on the Nationals. And until that time, peace out. Adios. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.